Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church. Paul says, this is what I mean, verse 12, I mean this, that each of you is saying, it seems like it was church-wide to every person, each of you is saying, I'm of Paul, I of Apollos, I of Cephas, which is Peter's Aramaic name, and I of Christ. There were four factions in the Corinthian church. And since this was a big city, it may be that there were four different meeting places. Remember, there's no church buildings in the first century. So the church would have met in houses or in the open air. So it's possible that each of these meetings had a particular emphasis. And one group said, I'm of Paul. It'd be something like this. You know, uh, I was around since this whole thing began, just so you're informed Uh, When Paul planted the church, I was part of the first committee. I was there. I I know the founder of the church. His name is Paul. He's a short guy. You know, hair's kind of going away. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's who I am. I've been around here for a long time. I, I know what's going on. And there were tribes in the church. The Paul party would likely consist of those who were the first fruits of the apostles' labors in Corinth. I was here when they started the whole thing. The Apollos party, verse 12, named after Apollos, who came to Corinth shortly after Paul's departure. He was an eloquent man, born in Alexandria, mighty in the scriptures, probably polished in Greek rhetoric and philosophy, more impressive than Paul. And so the, the Greeks could really relate to this guy. They would say, he's an impressive speaker. He's taller than Paul. He's handsome. You know, I like how he rolls his R's when he says a word. He can do that. It's just terribly impressive. You know, I like the way he dresses. It'd be that kind of thing. The Cephas party was probably composed of Jewish converts. Since Peter was a Christian longer than Paul, he was the leader of the Twelve. And he seemed to be more uh, in the direction of Jewish law in terms of his, maybe his emphasis. Maybe those who were Jewish in the Corinthian church liked to associate more with Peter. Maybe they felt that Paul was a little bit liberal on some things that they thought important. Now, Paul, please note, does not attack any of these men for their teaching. They all teach the same gospel They all teach the Word of God. The issue is not their teaching. The issue is how people see them, and I'm sure each of them would be greatly uh, discouraged and disheartened by emphasis being placed on them. They would not want that. Peter would not want that. Paul would not want that. Apollos would not want that. And lastly, they had a Christ party. More difficult to determine who these people were, but one writer says the most likely view is that they rejected all human authority, refusing to acknowledge Paul or Apollos or Cephas or any other eminent teacher. Maybe they were tired of all these human teachers. Some today in the professing church simply will not be part of a traditional church. They folded up the tent. 
They don't believe that there can be a head pastor somewhere or a main teaching pastor. They, they, they believe that's not right and that's not the way God would have it. Heard a story of a freelance missionary visited a pastor friend of Warren Wearsby asking for financial support. What group are you associated with, the pastor asked. The man replied, oh, we, I belong to the Invisible Church. The pastor then asked, well, what church are you a member of? Again, he got the answer, I belong to the Invisible Church. Getting a bit suspicious, my friend, the pastor, asked, well, when does the Invisible Church meet? Who pastors it? The missionary then became incensed and said, well, your church here isn't the true church. I belong to the Invisible Church. The pastor replied, well, then here's some invisible money for your invisible church. <laughs> Don't you think that's funny? You guys should have laughed more at that. That's, that's funny. A worse option is that they turn Jesus into just another teacher, the Jesus party. Oh, we like Paul. We like Peter. We like Apollos. We like Jesus. Just another teacher, another patron. No, 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 no. Jesus is Lord of the church. Nothing less. And so Paul explodes in some indignation with three questions in verse 13. Take a look. He says, <clears throat> in what I imagine great Jewish style, Oy vey, has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Really? Is Christ or has Christ been divided? No, it's one church under the head of the church, Christ. Every church that's legitimate is his church. The whole church is his church. Leaders will come and go. Men and women who rise to take different ministry positions. Pastors who rise. Men who go into the pulpit live and die. I live in a world of books. I am amazed. To, I read a commentary and I look at dates and this commentator was born in 1940-something and died in 1990-something. And I'm like, most people who I read today are dead. Say that sounds like a personal problem. Hold on a minute. Here's what I'm saying. Each of us have a season, a short window, but the Lord of the church lives and reigns for how long? Forever. Has Christ been divided? I wasn't crucified for you, says Paul. Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I sure hope not, because that would be a waste. The strength of our fellowship is our relationship with Christ. The strength of your relationships around you will be determined by your vertical relationship with Christ. The strength of our fellowship as a body is directly linked to our maturity in our walk with Christ. Do you agree? Your marriage and the strength of it is directly linked to your vertical relationship with the Lord because you will love your spouse better, you will love them well, you will love others well, when the power of God is unleashed in your life. Has Christ been divided? Some scholars see an image that is graphic and grotesque as though Christ could be parceled out in the cliques of the Corinthian church. Paul says, what are you trying to do? The Christian church 
that is divided is a contradiction. We are to be one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one church. We are one. Yes, we meet in many different places, even in this city. I heard recently that there's something like 65 churches in Corona. Can you believe that? 65 churches. And so there are many of your brothers and sisters meeting in other places this morning. And we are one with them because we have the common bond of the same Lord. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. Look at verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. We could translate this this way. I thank God I didn't baptize but a few of you that are in Corinth. (laughs) I mean, ouch, Paul. Come on, man. I'm so glad I only baptized a few of you in Corona. Why would Paul say such a thing? Isn't baptism important? Notice that no man should say you were baptized in my name. Can you imagine? They were already fighting. They were already factioning with parties. Can you imagine them carrying around their baptism certificates? Who baptized you? (laughs) The founder of the church baptized me. Paul, the apostle. Can you imagine that? They'd have the certificate. They'd have bumper stickers that would read, I was baptized by the Apostle Paul. Honk twice if you were as well. (laughs) We're so into this kind of stuff. But it loses the appeal quickly because Jesus is the center of the church. Do you know John 4.2 says that Jesus didn't baptize anybody personally. John 4, 2, Jesus didn't baptize anybody personally. John the Baptist baptized Jesus, but Jesus didn't baptize anybody personally. Why do you think that is? Probably because Jesus knows what people are like. Can you imagine? You're at a party. I'm baptized by Apollo. Baptized me. Oh, hold on. You got to say it right at the end. I was baptized by Jesus. (laughs) Party's over, huh? (laughs) That's it. Nobody can say anything else now. Yep. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Now, some of you need to mark verse 15. This is glorious. This tells you that forgetting certain things in the past is biblical. Some of you struggle with memory, right? People ask you about, you know, do do you remember when we were over here and we did this and did that? You're like, no. Who are you? Anyway, I don't even know who you are. (laughs) And we we chalk it up, man, my memory's going, this and that. Hey, Paul's a writer of scripture, but he was not God. He was not omniscient. And so he could get revelation from God and perfectly write it in scripture with it being inerrant. And yet at the same time, we see his humanity. He says, I remember baptizing a few people in that city, but I I don't know. (laughs) That's Paul. If you had pancakes with Paul, he might say that. I baptized a few people in Corona. I don't even know. They can produce the certificate, maybe. For Christ, final verse, did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel not in cleverness of speech 
that the cross of Christ should not be made void. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Can you imagine? You're at a party. I'm baptized by Apollos baptized me. Oh, hold on. You got to say it right at the end. I was baptized by Jesus. <laughs> Party's over, huh? <laughs> That's it. Nobody can say anything else now. Yep. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Now, some of you need to mark verse 15. This is glorious. This tells you that forgetting certain things in the past is biblical. Some of you struggle with memory, right? Yeah. People ask you about, you know, do, do you remember when we were over here and we did this and did that? And you're like, no. Who are you anyway? I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and we, we chalk it up, man, my memory's going, this and that. Hey, Paul's a writer of scripture, but he was not God. He was not omniscient. And so he could get revelation from God and perfectly write it in scripture with it being inerrant. And yet at the same time, we see his humanity. He says, I, I remember baptizing a few people in that city, but I, I don't know. <laughs> That's Paul. If you had pancakes with Paul, he might say that. I baptized a few people in Corona. I don't even know. They can produce the certificate, maybe. For Christ, final verse, did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. Paul is not saying that baptism is not important, but he is saying that baptism is not the gospel. Some of you have run into these people at the mall. They have little business cards. Here's what they say. I'm from this church. Uh, Have you been baptized? 
Oh, yeah, I was baptized at Living Truth in 2016. They dunked me right in this little thing here. Oh, 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 friend. What? Friend, that's not a legitimate baptism. Well, what is, sir? Oh, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus in our church building in our baptismal or you're not saved. What? Look, baptism is the first act of obedience. Yes, the book of Acts has people getting saved and getting baptized rather quickly. But baptism is a picture of the gospel. It is not the gospel. Jesus Christ saves, not water. The Holy Spirit regenerating you on the inside is what brings salvation. Being brought from darkness to light, the power of Satan to God, being born again of the Holy Spirit is what saves you. Baptism is a beautiful emblem of salvation. It's something you should do. If you have not been baptized, you should be baptized. You might say, why? You just said that it's not necessary for salvation. Here's what I am saying. I'm saying Jesus said, get baptized so you better do it. Or you're going to answer to him one day. Well, I didn't really feel like it. The word of God says, Baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's why we baptize. Jesus told us to. And it's a beautiful picture. It's a time in the early church. Uh, people who came to Christ would give their testimony. It was probably the early altar call. It's when somebody stood up and said, I believe in Christ and I am part of you. And then they were baptized in water. Paul says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the good news not in cleverness of speech, as many of you Corinthians seem to care most about, that the cross of Christ should not be made void. What will heal factionalism in the church? Simply put, the gospel. When a church loses its focus on Christ and the gospel, it has lost its way. When a church is more into slick marketing approaches, and fanciful whatever to try to replace or substitute or even somehow supplement the power of the gospel and the power of the word, that church is heading down a slippery slope. And I'll tell you, folks, it is everywhere. It's everywhere. Apparently, we have lost confidence in the power of the book. And that should not be. Paul says, look, Christ sent me to preach the good news because the gospel is the power, the dunamis of God for salvation to everyone who believes, whether you're a Jew or a Greek, whether you're Jew or a Gentile. Stedman comments, no human being would have ever planned the cross. If it were left up to us to plan a program of salvation, we would have never included the cross. The cross of Christ is shocking. It shatters our egos. The cross leaves no room for divisions and factions because the cross leaves no room for pride. If you can look at the cross and know who's dying on that cross and see the crimson flow coming down, and not be changed, says Spurgeon, there's something wrong with you. 
If you can look at that cross and understand the implications of the one who's dying in your stead, who loved you so much, who spoke the universe into existence, and yet died on that awful torture stake, then you don't understand the good news. But if you understand it, if you understand his love and his goodness and his mercy, you've understood who you are. You see, it's not about associations. It's not about cliques. It's not about, I go here, I do this. It's about Christ. See, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I'm, e- I'm fearful to say this sometimes, but the verse goes on to say, I even want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I want to be conformed to his death. I want to fight the good fight. I want to finish my race. And he's cheering me on. You see, the church is not about individual agendas or opinions. It's about Christ. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul addressing a group of people he loved. He pleaded with them. He basically said, look, this is what's going to fix your division. Get back to the gospel. Get back to the Bible. Get back to Christ. Lord, if we have been straying and we all can have the propensity to do so, if we've been maybe focusing on the wrong things, maybe we've become a bit nitpicky because we've become inward focused, help us to get back to the basics. Help us to get back to the Bible, back to the gospel, back to sharing it, back to living a life of love as a witness to this broken world. Let us love each other as you loved us. Grant us the true peace that comes from you. Let us be a community that is so in love with you that the love for one another just overflows. If you haven't met Jesus, if you keep your head and heart bowed, if you've not met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he loves you. That's why he came. You're here for a reason. He wants you to find your identity in him, in your union with him. It's something like this. If you've not met him, Jesus, would you save me? Thank you for coming into this world and dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. I turn from my sin. I turn from being misinformed and doing it my way. I trust in you and who you are, what you did and who you say that I am in you. Father, for those who are crying out, for those who may be doing some business of rededication or renewal to a mission, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd meet them where they are. I pray that you'd pour your spirit out on them. I pray that you'd encourage and refresh and strengthen each life that's here. I pray that you would pour out your love and goodness and hope on those who are hurting those who are suffering this morning, those who are a bit poured out, a bit frayed, would you mend? Would you suture? Would you do the work that only you can do as we look to you? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how we can mend the division within the church. By the way, thank you if you attended our 633 event with guest J.P. Moreland about overcoming depression and anxiety. 
If you missed the event, you can watch the video of it on walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, this program's called Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael Lance. And, you know, when we think about truth, we can also think about lies. And certainly the devil is a master counterfeiter. He loves to cause division and confusion. And we have a question about what is the occult? Well, the occult is really, it's the idea of what is occluded or hidden or even esoteric. And there's a whole world of the occult out there. And I bring it up to remind you that there's a great uh, resource library available to you at walkintruth.com. And we have some teachings that we've done. We did an occult series. Uh, We did it as part of our 633 events that we've been telling you about. And we record those and we offer a teaching that you can go back and review. We've done teaching, for example, on demon possession. We've done teaching on witchcraft and Wicca, the New Age movement. We actually had Frank Sontag here who told us about his background and how he was on a secular station kind of pushing the New Age movement. In fact, he was a New Age guru, and he met the living Christ. And now, of course, God is using Frank in great ways to to be a spokesman for the gospel. And so you can order these series online at walkintruth.com. And when you order something, remember, when you buy something for yourself or a friend or both, you're contributing to the ministry that we praise being a blessing to you. And so it's one way that you can get some resources and also encourage and partner with Walk in Truth. So check it out today, the Dark Dangers of the Occult series at walkintruth.com. God bless you. When you tune in tomorrow, we'll be listening to the first part of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how the crucifixion of Jesus is an example of God's wisdom. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And remember, it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.